0: Hi everyone, it's Monday, so welcome back to a new video. I hope you enjoy this one. I don't think I've done this topic in a while. And as always, if you have a story that you might want to share here on the channel, you can send any story you have to southerncannibal.com. And without any further interruptions, let's get into the stories. But remember to always stay on. I'm a female and I was 18 years old when this happened. I had just graduated high school and I had a summer full of trips planned with my group of friends before we would branch off to pursue our futures in the fall. The first trip we took was in June. It was a camping trip in the middle of the woods just outside of a small town in my home state of Pennsylvania. The cabin sat far back in the woods with only a dirt trail about a half a mile long leading up to it. Along this trail were only a few other cabins sporadically placed throughout the woods, so we were pretty secluded and wouldn't have to worry about disturbing the peace. Something I used to do all the time before this point was go for long walks with nothing but my music and the wildlife all around me. I often did this to clear my head, sort of a recharge. I remember spotting one of the other cabins on our way to the site along the dirt trail. It was obviously a party cabin, filled with middle-aged drunken men. I didn't think anything of it at the time, just thought they were a normal group of hunters spending a weekend at their cabin. One morning, just after breakfast, I decided to go for a walk before the rest of our crew was fully awake. For the duration of the walk, I had an unsettling feeling that someone was watching me. When people say you get a feeling when someone is watching you, it's no joke. The hairs on the back of my neck practically stood straight. When I had passed the cabin with the men going up the trail, the feeling hit me, and it lingered like a sickness for the entire walk until I had turned around to return to our cabin. As I walked back down the trail and was approaching the cabin with the men, I had noticed someone was watching me from behind a thicket of bushes bordering their grass lot. I couldn't make out what they were doing at first, but as I got closer, The person began to pace, occasionally peeking out from behind the bushes to look at me. The feeling I had been suppressing had now swelled in the pit of my stomach. It was like the natural survival instinct in me was then switched on to full power. Something wasn't right with this situation. Though I was panicking on the inside, I tried to remain as calm and nonchalant as possible, hoping the stranger would go away. As I drew closer, I can make out the figure was a man, probably in his late twenties to early thirties. He had a hiking backpack on of some sort, and was holding something in his hands. Uncomfortable and afraid, I pulled out my phone and pretended to be busy, scrolling and tapping away on my screen. Maybe the man was waiting for one of his buddies and was totally uninterested in me. I had left my eyes off the man for a matter of seconds, and when they had returned, my stomach dropped. And i stopped dead in my tracks the man was now standing in the dead center of the trail staring me down he was no more than about 50 feet away from me now in a panic i did the only thing i could do if this man happened to have any sinister intentions and i couldn't take him i was going to make damn sure someone knew i stopped in my tracks and i immediately sent one of my friends of the cabin a message saying where i was and explaining the situation just in case i didn't come back when i glanced up from my phone i could now tell what the man was holding in his hands a tattered discolored rag the man now began to slowly walk towards me his eyes not even leaving me for a moment i had reached maximum panic mode at this point and i made a 180 to go back up the trail and away from the man Moving at a quickened pace, but not enough to raise suspicion, I called my friend and I asked her to send one of the guys to come and get me, and I then told her the whole situation. At this point, I was in tears, and I couldn't hold back my fear. I stayed on the phone with her until one of my friends had arrived to walk back with me to the cabin. When my friend arrived to walk back with me, I had explained the situation to him, and it was almost as if he didn't believe me. I remember being embarrassed for the rest of the trip. Nothing I could do or say would make them believe me or understand the fear that I had felt. I had nightmares for a while afterwards when we had returned from our trip. Nightmares about how the situation could have played out if I hadn't backed away. All I can say is that I was lucky. There was no telling how far things could have gone if I hadn't listened to my instincts. For all I know, My nightmares may have been the way the situation could have panned out if I had made the wrong choice. I will never know what that man was planning to do or what the rag that he clutched in so tightly in his hands was for. One thing I wanna say is that I'll never let my guard down again when walking alone. This happened back when I was 14 years old in 2019. Me and my dad were taking a road trip down to Southern California for a summer camp I was enrolled in. We drove about eight hours before deciding to stop and camp for the night. If you've ever been to Central Valley, California, you know how desolate some parts of it are. By the time we found a campsite, we hadn't even seen any civilization for about two hours. My dad is a very experienced outdoorsman. Unlike me. He goes camping in dangerous and abandoned spots a lot. Because of this, he has a specialized tent that sits on the top of his car. On the night of this incident, I was planning to sleep in that tent, and my dad would sleep below me in another tent. The campsite we had stopped at doubled as a hot spring. There was a specific part of the property where no children were allowed. This was where the adults would get nude and soak in the springs. Being the curious teenager I was, I decided to ignore the no-children-allowed-past-this-point signs and walked into the hot springs. To my surprise, it appeared completely empty except for one man in the very far back. The man slowly turned his head towards me, locking me in a deadly stare. He began to rise from the hot spring, never looking away from me. He was a white male, probably about 60 years old and he was also extremely large, about six feet tall and at least 400 pounds. He was fully out of the water now, completely naked, his flabby skin dripping onto the pavement. My fight or response kicked in as he began to walk towards me. I pivoted and sprinted past the gate and down the path back to my campsite. But when I returned, My dad wasn't there. I guess he was in the bathroom or exploring the area. In fear that the man was still following me, I ran up the ladder of the tent on top of my dad's car. I zipped up all of the windows so that nobody could see me inside. I heard somebody walk into my campsite. By the sounds of the footsteps, I knew it wasn't my dad. The only other person here was the man. The footsteps stopped right below my tent. I tensed up, trying not to breathe. Then, I heard the man begin to walk away. I just stayed in the tent until my dad returned. When he came back from the bathroom, I told him about the man. He scolded me, telling me I shouldn't have gone into that area. Later that night, I was on my phone in my tent. My dad had been asleep for a while, and I was scrolling through Instagram. My headphones were on meaning i couldn't hear anything except for the youtube video playing in the corner of my screen suddenly i received an airdrop photo from an unknown contact i looked around but it was way too dark to see if anybody was outside i cautiously accepted the message and the photo began to load on my phone it was a picture of me sitting in my tent looking down at my phone the picture was taken from right outside In a panic, I called out for my dad. He woke up, and he then searched the campsite. Nobody was there. I don't have proof, but I know it was the man from the hot springs. I only hope that he never did anything worse than what he did to me that night. This happened during the summer after I finished the fifth grade. I went to a day camp that was pretty far away from where I lived. There were around 50 buses that would drop off and pick up people from all different locations in our state, and I was on a bus that dropped me and picked me up in a main building that I had to ride a train to get to. There was another bus station that stopped near me, but I chose not to take that one because I lived in two different apartments. Boy, had I made a good decision without even knowing it, but I'll get into that a little later. I had a decent amount of friends, and we would meet up at our designated areas every morning before doing activities with the counselors together, but twice per day we would go swimming, and our entire camp went, and that is when some of the messed up stuff then happened. Anyway, that's all for the context. Some of the strangest people went there, but there was one dude who took things way too far. His name was Steve. He was a very scraggly looking guy with long curly hair and he smelled like CBD and marijuana. He gave everyone the creeps. Now, things that summer started out okay, but I started seeing Steve during the times when all the groups would meet up together during the day and he would inch towards us. Before he even approached my friends and I, we're all girls by the way, he would garner all sorts of attention for the strange stuff he would do. He had this really high pitched and annoying voice and we would often hear him singing really cringeworthy songs, none of which I care to list because it drove me insane. He would be on the loose, running around the entire place while screeching at the top of his lungs, and I never knew why. We all found it crazy, but would you know it, the more distance we tried to keep, the more he would appear around us. Within a few days of the start of camp, He was already trying to talk and start up conversations that none of us felt like having. He also began to follow us down in the pool later on that same day. He wiggled under the ropes to get to our section. At first, it was hilarious because he could barely swim and was trying to run through the water towards us with this corny smile on his face. It soon became irritating though, so we swam away to a different section. He was just nuts, but it became more than what we thought. He would start coming up to us whenever we crossed paths and every time he would bug us and just hang around and he would try to throw himself in my friend, Alexis. She was visibly uncomfortable and he started telling her that she belonged to him forever and that he will get her to love him. We would always tell him to get away from her and that he's being invasive as hell. Even then, he wouldn't stop hanging around her and making his creepy advances. Other people started noticing and they all began to keep their distance from him, too. We told our counselors, and they just brushed it off as him being nice, which I didn't really buy at the time, and I'm glad I didn't. This was much more than just friendliness on Steve's part. It wasn't long before rumors spread that Steve had a plan to get each and every one of us in our friend group to fall in love with him. A guy I'd been talking to named Mark had told me this. He said that he and some of his friends saw Steve crawling under the bleachers to most likely spy on us when he thought no one was looking. He would allegedly lay down and watch us eat lunch for over half an hour. This went on for ages. Mark had also seen him wandering around the field that I would often hang out at while saying weird things to himself. Apparently, he was saying that if it didn't go well with Alexis, I would be next. This had creeped me out to no end, but also made me question why Steve thought he could do this. Some time had passed and it finally seemed like he had gotten the damn hint. I was still apprehensive, even when things took a turn for the better when he stopped harassing Alexis. As he continued being his crazy self, I felt peace of mind now that he seemed to be leaving us alone. But in a matter of a day, my relief was short-lived when he started following us around again. From then on, he would resume watching us from under the bleachers. Naturally, he started bugging me. He made the same exact comments about me wanting to fall in love with his creepy ass. I didn't take any of it, and I decided to flat out ignore him in hopes he would go away, but no. When I was eating lunch with Mark one day in a completely different spot, he searched the premises for me and eventually showed up. He started telling me about how hot he thought I looked for a few minutes straight, I told him firmly to leave, and Mark got involved, also telling him to leave me alone. After a lot of badgering, he complied. Not even ten minutes later, we saw him from a distance talking to Lola, another friend in our group. He was talking so loudly that we could hear every word he said from a good 50 feet. She was taken aback because he kept asking her if Mark and I were dating. Lola kept her mouth shut, since she knew Mark and I liked each other but weren't dating. Now, Lola had told Steve that her name was Julia as she didn't want to give out any personal information. She was telling him to quiet down as he grew angry without getting answers. One surprise, surprise. Another wacky kid named Jean started calling out for her with her real name. When she stopped responding to Gene, Steve flipped out, calling her a liar and threatening her. This may sound like a soap opera, but I kid you not. He really went off on her like that. I was prepared for him to threaten me, so I just convinced myself that I would really roast his ass if he did that. And he did eventually cross the line, just not in the way I'd expected. About a week later, I noticed that he would catch up to my friends and I when we were in the pool swimming away from him. At first, he would try to run only to lose us, but now I knew I was fucked when he figured out how to dog paddle, knowing he might catch up. The pool wasn't big at all, So no matter how fast I went, he was right on my tail. As he was saying creepy things, I began to panic, knowing he was going to do something because I had a bad gut feeling. And as I was telling myself what I would do, it happened. He tried yanking my swimsuit right off my body and I freaked out, shoving him off of me. I felt more violated than I'd ever felt in my life. And I told him to stop or I would screw him over This caught a few glances, and my friends were all huddling around me, making me feel a bit safer. Next thing I know, I'm back in my clothes, and I'm running out of there before anyone could catch up to me. I went all the way to the bus area and found one of my bus counselors. I told her what had happened in a tizzy, and she then told me something that I wasn't surprised to hear, yet it still sent chills down my spine. She said that he had been doing this to girls all over the camp since they could remember, and i didn't want him to stand a chance trying to harass everyone there and he also apparently did this stuff to the girls in the section of the kindergarteners when eating dinner that night with my dad and stepmom i told them what had happened because i wanted it to end more than anything my dad was fuming and he spoke to the camp director the next day as i waited at the bus stop he also had a long phone conversation with my mom about it the previous night and she agreed to get on the earliest train to meet us there after camp that day she couldn't make it that morning given that she was still living in the apartment in morningside heights with a family whose nightmare of a kid went to my elementary school but that's a story for another time the director spoke with me privately that morning after i'd arrived on the campgrounds he reported this to the leader of my section of the camp and i got sent to the pavilion several times where i had to provide details on what had been happening as expected, someone did tell me off for overreacting and acting out. I was really frustrated because other people saw me as this cruel person just because I had been standing up for myself and the people that he did this to. Like, what was I supposed to do? Act like I was enjoying what he was doing? I brought this up to the people that questioned me, and they eventually promised they'd do whatever they could to keep him away from me. I told my story to the camp director along with my mom and dad, in addition to what became of the discussions I had earlier. Mom and I went to our apartment feeling much better than we had ever been since the incident. Great, I thought. It's all over. But no. When I was lying around on a field watching the clouds, Steve approached me, saying he really enjoyed making me fall for him. Whatever that meant. I simply looked at him and told him to stay the hell away from me and my friends who were also involved in this. He flipped out, then asking me why I was so mean to him and that he was going to be lonely forever without me. It made me want to throw up and scream at the same time, but I kept my head on straight, and I told him to never come near me again or he would regret it. And with that, he ran off. Later that day, Steve had gone missing, and several people asked if I saw him, I told them about my encounter with him earlier that morning and a few counselors went to go look for him. Fifteen minutes or so later, they found him and brought him back. What happened next scarred me for life. The counselors pointed at him while he was crying and they just kept saying, you did this to him. They proceeded to tell me how I'd been so mean as to make him run into the woods way on the other side of the camp and after an hour or so, they had to basically drag him to the main area. I was horrified, and I told him how he'd been stalking me for like the last month, and how I reacted in anger trying to get him to leave me alone. As expected, Steve kept going bonkers, saying he was really hurt, and mercilessly begged for me to come back to him. Yeah, fat chance of that. I generally try my best to empathize with people, but this was just terrifying. This was my last interaction with him that I remember having. The final week or so went by smoothly, and I'm glad it did. Just when I thought it would never end, I realized I'd really dodged a huge bullet. Another friend of mine told me that he would say the same things to her on the bus and would annoy her every time. It got to the point where she had to sit with a counselor because she got so scared of Steve. Once she told me that his bus was the one that I had considered taking, I couldn't have been happier that I'd chosen a different bus line. But what really gave me the chills was that my friend told me that he got off very near the Morningside Heights apartment where I usually stayed at. As soon as I could, I left that camp, and I never went back. I was scared shitless that I would run into him if I went outside the apartment. But thankfully, that never happened, and that was the last I saw of him. Thank God.